Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. Now, at this time, this particular year, we have a kind of, um, well, not totally unusual, but uh, maybe a bit unusual length of time between what has been the great holy days, the feast days of the incarnation of our Lord, the manifestation, illumination, you know, his birth, his baptism, circumcision, encounter with Simeon in the temple. All those had to do with God coming into our existence, manifesting himself, the invisible being made visible through the physical. Now, we move from those very high, glorious, splendid feast days, and we go into a period that is prior to then another great period of the liturgical year, and that would be, of course, the beginning of Great Lent and the preparatory Sundays before Great Lent, which, of course, leads us into the great Paschal season. So, the two poles, the two major signposts of the liturgical year are, of course, the incarnational events, and then Christ's death, resurrection, and his appearance, ascension, and of course, finally, Pentecost. But in between the two great poles, there is this particular year a rather long period or a longer period of time. Sometimes Lent begins very quickly. Sometimes it almost seems too quickly. No sooner do we have Christ born and baptized, and all of a sudden we're preparing for the Sundays of Lent. Not so this year. Furthermore, I would imagine for most of you, I think for most of the United States this year, there has been a pretty brutal winter. It's been very wintry, certainly here in the headquarters of Light of the East, Chicago area. We have had lots of snow, lots of deep freeze, <laughs> lots of wind, lots of blizzard, lots of very wintry type weather. The days are getting a little bit longer, the daylight, but yet the days are still, for me at least, short enough. There's still plenty of darkness, although it's getting less little by little. So what I'm leading up to is that during this stretch between the high holy days of the incarnational events and Christ's death and resurrection, and before that, Great Lent, before those very intensive times, there may be a kind of a, a downtime, a kind of a perhaps a malaise, sometimes even depression or despondency that sets in at this time of year. And even the liturgical year seems to be not quite so intense or exciting. And as I mentioned, it's a little bit of a longer period, so we have to look at that for a moment so that we actually extend the experience or the illumination that happened during the Incarnation. 
You see, in our culture, we make the mistake of doing the so-called holidays, which are actually holy days. That's the origins of holidays. It's in the holy days. Even the words are very similar. But we make a mistake in our culture of sort of doing them as if they're tasks to be done, when they're actually entrances or immersions, participations in an event, an event that is ongoing, that's supposed to transform us and is supposed to stay with us and continue to transform us. In other words, the event itself is only the beginning. So Christ has come into our existence. We're unfolding that reality, and then soon we'll bring it to its full destiny and purpose in his death and resurrection. So we have to keep something of the past feast of the incarnation going, especially until we come up against the time where it's time to repent. In other words, the Great Lent. And what I'd like to do is to suggest a couple of things. In other words, what would the Eastern spirituality do for us during this time? That could be a time of, oh, as I mentioned, maybe a downtime, a little bit of a malaise, a little bit of a, oh, slow, kind of dark time. Not in a bad way, but almost like a psycho-spiritual lethargy that could easily set in. Well, first of all, I want to introduce to you something in which I would instruct you to mark your calendars and to give a lot of prayerful consideration. It is a trip that I will be leading to Rome and Istanbul. This will be one of the famous Orientali Lumen pilgrimages. Orientali Lumen, of course, means light of the east, and that's where we get the name of this program. But this is a project of Jack Figo, who's a great friend of us here at Light of the East, and also the name behind Eastern Christian Publications that does just so many wonderful things for the church and to help all of us have sources in which to grow and form ourselves in the mystery of the Eastern churches. Well, Jack and I are teaming up on this pilgrimage to Rome and Istanbul, and that's going to be October 21st to the 30th of this year, 2014, October 21st to the 30th. It's an historic pilgrimage, and it's honoring the occasion of the sainthood of Pope John Paul II, and also Pope John XXIII. And one of the reasons why we're focusing on those two, first of all, it's a very big event in the church, and it has an impact on the church east and west, as these two popes did. Under John Paul XXIII, the Second Vatican Council was called And, of course, that council did have something to say to the Eastern churches. And the Eastern churches were very much an influential presence at this council. During that time, there was a strong fervor of ecumenism, especially between East and West, that was flying around, I'll say, (laughs) inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so, John XXIII is very significant in terms of unity between East and West. But also, of course, Pope John Paul II, who also was the one who coined the phrase, the church breathing with both lungs, East and West. Now, I'd like you to consider joining me and Jack Figgle and a whole lot of other great people to celebrate the canonization of the popes, John Paul II and John XXIII. Again, it's not on the occasion of their celebration, it's in the spirit of that. So they will already have been proclaimed saints, and that we, in the afterglow of that, will make a pilgrimage to Rome and Istanbul. This will not only be a celebration of the sainthood of these two historic and world-renowned popes, but an experience of the church breathing with both lungs, east and west. We're going to visit places like the Basilica of St. Peter and the great Byzantine Church of Holy Wisdom, also, of course, known as Hagia Sophia. We'll see ancient Rome, the Sistine Chapel. We'll attend the people audience of Pope Francis. And quite possibly, we might even have a special audience with Patriarch Bartholomew. His All Holiness, the Patriarch Bartholomew of the 
Greek Orthodox Church. He is also called the Ecumenical Patriarch. So these are just some of the highlights of this trip. There'll be many more that I'll be cluing you in on. And this trip is offered by the Oriental Lumen Foundation and also Viking Travel Service. Now, more details will be forthcoming, so stay tuned here to Light of the East. Again, mark your calendars for Rome and Istanbul, a pilgrimage that I'll be leading together with Jack Fingal from Eastern Christian Publications, October 21st to the 30th, 2014. So right off the bat, there's something to look forward to during this time of, I'm going to call it a little malaise time, a kind of little downtime psycho-spiritually, even liturgically to an extent, even though the liturgical time can never be totally down. It's just not quite as intense or exciting as it sometimes is. Then the next thing I'm going to suggest, now that's that's the first thing to look forward to. Mark your calendars, look way ahead to, to October 2014 for this pilgrimage. But also I'm going to suggest that we now look back closer to home, in fact, right into your homes. And that would be to apply this concept that's very strong in the East of the domestic church. In other words, we're going to look at our homes. I'm going to try to take what we experienced in the past feast days of illumination and incarnation, and we're going to apply that to day-to-day living. And in fact, we have to. Otherwise, we're going to get caught up in this little malaise that might be happening, some boredom and so on. So, One of the things I'm going to suggest is this, and this is part of the concept of domestic church. Domestic church, by the way, means to take what we experience in church, and in particular, the liturgical calendar, and you kind of stretch that into your homes. So there's a bit of church that's in your homes. Our homes should look, seem, feel, smell, sound a little bit like church. And one of the ways we do that is, first and foremost, I call this putting on our sacramental liturgical glasses. The Eastern spirituality is very much about a mystical worldview. It's the first thing we have to adopt. Put on these glasses and look at the world, look at your home, look at the workplace, look at your spouse, look at your children, look at good things, look at tragic things, look at joyful things, look at sad things, or look at purposeful things, planned things, and the unplanned things. Look at all those things through one particular lens, and that's the lens that our liturgy in the Byzantine Church and the lens through which the great saints of the Eastern Church saw all of life, and that is the mystical, meaning we always look at these events, whether planned or unplanned, wanted or unwanted, we look at them in light of God. In other words, incarnationally, mystically. We look at them to see where God is being revealed, how he is speaking to us, how he is being revealed, how we are participating in in him, how this event or this person, this experience is pointing to manifesting God in whatever way and whatever kind of person or experience. So that's the first thing that we're going to do as we look at the domestic church during this time between the seeds of the incarnation and the season of our Lord's suffering, death, and resurrection. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright.
You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We are together walking through this, I guess I would call it, I'm trying to come up with a lot of descriptions for it. It's kind of a, maybe a bit of a gray time, kind of a downtime. I use the word malaise. It can be kind of depressing or boring. It's just, it's kind of hard to describe. It's not a bad thing, but it's kind of a period between the great feast of the incarnation and then, of course, great Lent leading into Christ's death and resurrection. And this particular year, as I mentioned earlier, it's a little bit longer. So that's why I'm addressing this to maybe help us get through it, but not just get through it, also to experience it in a way that is also redemptive and exciting in its own way, even though it's not quite so exciting liturgically. Okay, I mentioned, first of all, my trip to Istanbul, Rome and Istanbul. That's going to be October 21st through the 30th, 2014. And also, then I mentioned, closer to home, in fact, home itself, this concept of domestic church, where, first of all, we look at all of life, all of our immediate experiences through that liturgical, mystical lens. In other words, how is the invisible God being made visible through this person or experience? Related to that is something I would suggest you do with the children, because especially now the children could be getting bored. A lot of the afterglow of the Christmas gifts or novelty might be wearing off already. And the days are, of course, long. There's not much excitement happening. They're back to school, back to their own grind. So they might be getting on each other's nerves. They might be spending too much time on their little iPhones or video games and so on. So what I'm going to suggest, and again, this is growing out of that liturgical worldview. This is part of the Eastern Christian spirituality of home life. Make sure you get them outside and go with them or teach them how to be outside. In other words, teach them to see, to discover nature and to see and relate that to God. Talk about God. Go out there with the Bible and read passages of Scripture, like from the Psalms, like Psalm 103, that have to do with the wonderment of nature. Look at things. I mean, really look at them. Look at them through the glasses of wonderment and gratitude and of gift, that all of life, all of creation is sacramental. It's a gift from God. It should inspire wonderment in us and therefore the only honest reaction, gratitude. Believe me, if you can do this for your children, as well as for yourselves, but if you can do it for your children, you will be preparing them for life, especially for their particular vocation in life. In fact, you know what you'll be doing? If you can get your children out more in nature, 
and filling them with the wonderment of nature and gratitude and a sense of gift. Believe it or not, you will be immersing them in pre-Cana. That's right. (laughs) You'll be preparing them for the vocation of marriage. I believe that marriage preparation begins not a few months or a few weeks after a couple is going to get married, when their whole interior ethos and view of life has already crystallized, and most of the time it's been very much influenced by the non-sacramental world. But rather, it starts at birth and moves the whole life of a child, where they grow in this vision of how to see how to see God, how to see life sacramentally. And this fills them with wonderment and gratitude. It keeps them humble. It helps to prepare them for what will be essential for marriage or any vocation, such as religious life, and that is the spirituality of self-donation. In other words, of gift of self, of dying to self, rising and giving to the other. That is not something that can be learned in a six-week crash course or overnight, at least not usually. That's something that has to be learned and cultivated over a lifetime. And it starts with childhood. And one of the best classrooms for childhood is God's own creation. Now, this might seem obvious or trite to you, but in this day and age, we have to remember, and I want to stress this, children suffer from nature deficit disorder. I put that in quotes. It's not really a clinical thing, but it almost is. And another thing I'll put in quotes, tongue-in-cheek, they're victims of videophilia. That's right. There's always a screen of some kind that holds the brains and hearts and souls of your children hostage. Not that screens are bad, but the children are being held hostage by these screens of some kind in their life, whether it's handheld or TV screens or large screens or movie screens or whatever. And so the antidote for that is to get children out to where they used to always be. You know, I was a child growing up, which wasn't that long ago. When I grew up, especially in the summertime, my parents, we basically, we'd say goodbye to them in the morning and we wouldn't come back till night. We'd be out in the woods, the fields and the ball fields and just making our own fun and discovering things and building tree houses and underground forts and playing ball and catching frogs. And, and our parents knew that we were happy, we were safe and it was good. They practically had to drag us home. And I have to admit, that helped to develop in me a certain wonderment that I think contributed to the fact that I am a priest today. You sort of fall in love with God as you experience and see his glory revealed in creation. Okay, another aspect of the domestic church, again, remember domestic church means stretching our experience of church into our home life. Another dimension is you have to have what is a great tradition in the Eastern churches, and that is an icon corner. It's a place where the family ought to gather at least once a day, preferably in the morning, in the evening, before everybody goes off to school and work. And as they return home in the evenings, a place they gather for prayer. There should be an icon on the wall or on a table. Table should have a scripture there and also a candle lighting the icon. And you can have whatever other religious article you'd like as well. But mainly it's an icon, a scripture, and light. And this is where the family ought to gather for a time of quiet, a little bit of prayer. It doesn't have to be long and involved. But if there's that one meeting point, and again, This might seem simple or even trite, but you know what? In this day and age, it's extremely relevant. How often can we even get our families together once during the day, even for one meal, which is another thing I want to get to, the family meal. But how often do we even do that? And yet that is essential and very much a part of the ethos of an Eastern Christian household. The icon corner is essential. It's like having the altar or the sense of the altar in church in the home. Remember, we're stretching the church into the home. 
These are things that are going to enliven us during this somewhat gray, malaise sort of down period that we're in right now. The other thing I mentioned just a moment ago is the family table. There should be at least one meal a day where the household can gather, whether it's just two people, three, four, five, however big the family is, gather together at the table for one meal. Here's what I would suggest. This is where we bring in a little bit of monasticism into the domestic church. Have the meal, at least in part, in silence. While somebody, the designated person for that day, reads something from Scripture or from a great book by a spiritual master of the Eastern churches or a theologian, whatever. Have them read for a while while the family eats in silence. After that, converse with each other along these lines. Not just about anything, but ask each other in whatever way you want to do it, whatever word you want to choose. But the question would be, what you want to pull out of one another is, how do they experience God today? So in other words, make the family dinner, preferably it would be dinner, the one, at least one time during the day that the family, the household gathers together. And again, it's a reflection, an extension of the Eucharist, of the liturgy. Very, very essential, very important. You will see that if you do these things, which I'm drawing from the Eastern Christian spirituality, the domestic church idea, if you do these things, you'll be amazed at what will happen to your home, the atmosphere in your home. Another thing you can do at the family table or even the evening, in other words, shut off the TV, shut off the computers, put the iPods and iPhones down, take out the headphones and so on, and come together. I'm going to call it gather around the fireplace. Whether you have a fireplace or not, that's how it used to be for centuries and centuries. Homes had their little fireplaces and family would gather around there. Today, maybe we gather around the big screen TV. That's okay. It's something similar, but gather around, but not the TV turn the TV off, gather around and read the lesson of the saint of that day from the Synaxarian. Every family, every household should have what's called the Synaxarian, or the, it's also called the prologue of Okrit. It gives the account of the saint of the day, or the feast day, but it also gives some beautiful meditations, very beautiful meditations, and also some reflections on scripture. That could be read each evening as well. And then finally, although it's not the last thing I would suggest, but Finally, for today's program, I'm going to suggest that, especially if you are not of the Eastern churches, in other words, you're Latin Rite Christian or Protestant or whatever, but even if you are an Eastern Christian, it's okay, of course, too. But if you're not especially, I would suggest take some time, get in the car, get the family together or the wife together, how many, however many there are in your household, whether it's one, two, three, five, ten, whatever, and visit some Eastern churches. Even try to go to some of the services, but visit the church, enter into the church, see it, see the icons, get the sense of it, smell the lingering fragrance of incense, and visit the church in conjunction with all the other things you're doing in your domestic church. Because to experience the Eastern spirituality is always an integrated holistic experience. It's never just one aspect of it. It's not compartmentalized. It's always, always the both and. It's always integrated. These are just a few things that I believe will help us get through this kind of downtime in the liturgical and civil calendar. But remember, it's never really down or simple or boring because we live in the time of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And that is always a reason for excitement and gratitude. 
I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>